0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if you didn't know, one of the inspirations for this podcast was the quote by Jim Rohn, become a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but for what it will make of you to achieve it. So you are absolutely in the right place right now if you are a heart-centered, impact-driven entrepreneur who is serious about growth and for being on this journey of constant improvement. So, Given that you're listening to my voice, that means that you clicked on this title and you're probably wondering what the heck Brandon Fong Unplugged means. And so I'll answer that in a second, but let me just hint and say that this is not a solo episode and I am not the interviewer on this episode like all the other ones. So let me start by just giving some context. This episode is being released on June 22nd, 2021. And I just got married to my very best friend, Leah, after having dated for almost eight years. We actually met in middle school and we got married on June 6th. So the wedding taught me so much, but outside of actually marrying (laughs) the love of my life, the greatest gift that the wedding gave me was a greater understanding of myself and where I came from. And lots of that actually happened because of our special guest interviewer today that was at my wedding, Jules Duncan. And Jules was one of the very first guests I ever had on the show. She was the very first guest. And I did that for a very specific Reason. So if you haven't listened, go check out episode number three, where you can hear a little bit more about Jules. And I can tell you about all of her accomplishments here in a second. But what's really important is for the context of this interview is that Jules is not only my mentor, but she's also one of my best friends. And she's one of the most amazing humans you'll ever meet with the biggest heart. And she uses her gifts and heart to really impact the world in so many incredible ways. And so she's in a brilliant marker. She spent over $10 million on Facebook ads profitably. And on one buy, she actually took $3 million of ad spend and turn it into $38 million. So she's brilliant. She's been the secret weapon behind many incredible successful businesses. And over the past year, I've watched as She literally launched one of the highest level strategic partnership communities in the world called tribe for leaders. And I'm a member and it's full of entrepreneurs who have experienced owning or operating a seven, eight or nine figure business. And many of the people that have appeared on the show actually came from her group. And so we have jewels to thank for that. So outside of my wife and family. The person that knows me the best hands down is absolutely Jules. And I've done tons of other interviews on other podcasts, but I've never been interviewed by someone who knows me so well. So like I said, she knows me better than most people and we're actually working on some businesses together. So Jules was at my wedding and she has spent time with my family. And sometimes you become blind to the things that are closest to you, right? So having Jules spend time with my family helped her to understand as my mentor even more about who I am and where I came from. And because of that, she learned and shared with me And I can see new levels of growth and alignment because I am in greater alignment of where I came from. So because of that, I asked her to interview me. And this was so much fun to do this with someone who knows me so well instead of all the other interviews where I've basically done the same interview over and over. So in this episode, you're going to learn, number one, how the ethos for seven-figure millennials was actually created before I was even born – by my parents number two, how I've been able to get incredibly high caliber people to appear on my show. And no, this hasn't, I didn't, I don't mention anything about the magic connection method, which is a separate thing. That's in another episode. But it actually has a lot to do with a lesson that my dad taught me while playing pool when I was four years old. And number three, you're going to learn a little bit more about my current vision for seven-figure millennials, where this is all going. It's changed a lot since that very first episode, if you've been listening from the very beginning. And one last thing before I get started is a pre-show listener shout out, as always, which this week goes out to KT underscore 1121, who left a review saying, you'll be hooked after the first episode, so might as well just download them all right now. I must listen. So thank you so much, KT. T one, one, two, one. And if you're listening to this and you're a returning listener, and you haven't had a chance to actually leave a review yet, you can go to seven figuremillennials.com slash review. And if you choose to leave an honest review, I have a gift that I want to give you that is going to reveal some of the behind the scenes strategies of how I'm getting these guests on the show. I know I just said, I'm going to reveal some of that on this episode, but you're going to learn step-by-step some of the things that I'm doing uh, as just a thank you. If you choose to do that, so that again, that's at seven figuremillennials.com slash review. And that's the number seven, not spelled out. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with my dear friend Jules Duncan interviewing yours truly. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast.
1: All right, Brandon, welcome to your podcast, where we're going to flip <laughs> today, and we're going to change things up, and we're going to interview you. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> this is going to be a well, lot of fun.
1: I was just going to say the exact same thing. This is going to be fun because this is your opportunity to have the tables turned on you because you always give these great interviews and you always ask these fantastic questions. So I'm happy to be here today and just be able to ask some questions back at you.
0: Yeah, we'll see what comes up. I'm scared, but I'm excited at the same time.
1: (laughs) As you should be, as you should be. Okay, so getting started one of the first things i want to say is first congratulations because i know your podcast has been a wild success and because of that and because it's actually it's hit with the audience so well it's it's so off you know in its own world and it's really speaking about the one thing that really matters for young people today please tell us what your favorite moment has been since you started your podcast
0: man ah Where do I even start? I mean, I guess I can't not say my wedding last week, like even though it's not podcast related, that's like, Mm -hmm. it's been such a star in my entire life. It was something that we had waited for, for two years all throughout COVID. So, um, you know, that, that I have to put that first above everything was just seeing, all, all my friends and family in one spot and seeing Leah walk down the aisle was just, I mean, Jules was at the, the ceremony, but I was crying like crazy and I'm not normally like a crier. So, so that was a that incredible, incredible thing. But I think it's really been an incredible opportunity and an incubator for growth. Like the, the person that mm-hmm. You are. If you're listening to this and you learn, you listen to episode one. That Brandon that recorded that is completely different person than than the one that's speaking right now. And I know that the Brandon that is going to record another episode in six months from now will be a completely different person again. And so this has been an incredible opportunity to have forcing functions every single week to study some of these insane top performers and really learn. I've been reading more books than I've ever read before because I'm reading everyone's books before an interview. So I'm reading two to four books a month and I'm going to town and I get to hang out with these people. So I don't know if it's any one specific moment that stands out on the podcast, but really I'm just starting to connect the dots in a way that I've never been able to connect the dots before is because I've gone so deep on all of these people, and now I'm starting to see these commonalities and patterns emerge. And really, kind of see the secret sauce as to what makes all this possible. And I'm, you know, anybody listening to this knows right now that I'm, you know, we're cracking the code on what this new generation of what entrepreneurship really means. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything to own a seven-figure business if it leaves you empty on the inside. So, what does it mean to create a business that fulfills you, that allows you to make the impact that you want to make on the world? Those are the metrics that really haven't been defined. And so, yeah, go listen to all those other podcasts where you can create a seven-figure business and blah 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 blah. But that's that's not what's important. How can we do what's important. So this next phase is all about we're creating an army of these fulfilled entrepreneurs that are going to work together to change the world. So um, long answer to the question that I, it's, it's just been so much and I've been so grateful that that six months ago, Brandon started. And also thanks to Jules for always, you were the one that pushed me on the over the edge to, to make sure I got started. So you deserve a, a, huge, a huge hug and a thank you for that as well.
1: Well, it is my pleasure because you're an incredible podcaster. And I thought you got around that question incredibly well, because not only did you mention the wife, who it was just so adorable to see you both together. And yes, he did cry like a baby. And it was <laughs> to see, but you also put it all together. You didn't just take one moment, but you kind of took the whole experience and what it's done for you. And so let's go a little deeper on that, because that actually is really interesting because in literally like six short months, it, it seems like you've had like a lot of tremendous growth, like a new ev- evolution and new awarenesses. What do you think is stemming from how is that happening in your world so fast?
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, kind of the, my first answer was talking about the wedding and, you know, seeing my family in a different light than I had seen them ever before. Uh, you know, I got to watch my parents give their speeches at, at our wedding and, you know, uh, having Jules at, our, at, at my wedding, I'm speaking to you in third person, but, but you, uh, you know, having you there to really help me to understand as somebody that knows me so well and knows me separately from my parents, from my brother and from Leah, and then seeing as an external observer as to what was going on. I mean, you helped me so much to understand all these unconscious forces that have been driving me. But I mean, anybody that knows my parents knows that they're in, the most incredible human beings out out there like they they crushed it with their speeches they're very eloquent with the way they talk they my dad made it a point to talk to every single table at the entire wedding and say hi to everyone you know Leah's side of the family people he didn't know and so that's just who my parents are and so when you're so close to something you forget the importance of it and it's a, it's a it's a great lesson that this came from the wedding but you know you can't read the label from inside the jar and sometimes the things that are the most important to you in life are the things that you can't see and so having having you Jules to call that out and really say, hey, this is actually where you came from. Um, it has been a great opportunity to look inside deeper and understand where lots of the motivation that I have came from because you know, lots of the, lots of it came from decisions that were made before I even showed up on this planet. It was because of my parents. And so um there's there's lots to unpack there and I'm still doing lots of unpacking, but this past week with the wedding and having you know people in town has been a great opportunity to really see what that next level looks like. And usually what I've found is the next level always comes from a greater understanding of yourself. And so now I get to see that on an unconscious level and where I came from. And so whatever this next level looks like, it's going to be a lot of fun because it's coming from the foundations of where I really came from.
1: There was a lot of wisdom dropped in that, Brandon. And just, it was incredible. Like, it just, it's so awesome to hear, like, where you're at right now. And I definitely, for the sake of the audience, because this is really, this is really so interesting about, like, how your story really, like, shows itself. Like, it just reflects back through. Your through line is something everybody has. And if we can look back and see how everything connects It's it's you start to be able to see like what your purpose is and like what your passion line really is. And so your through line really showed up for me at the wedding because I got to put all those pieces together. His parents are phenomenal speakers. It makes so much sense that you're you're their son. And it's like and they were your father's so gracious. He was one of the first people that came up to me. He made sure I was comfortable, he made sure I, I was very aware of everything and just so hospitable. He was awesome. So Let's dive in a little deeper on your parents, because both of them are just these phenomenal humans that are just really interesting to talk to and just have so many years of experience. But specifically, what interests me as not only, you know, an entrepreneur, but as a parent and as a wife, like they were able to create a son like you. That's what interests me. Like what did they do to make it so that you are you and how did they support that in you? And I feel like their story has so much to really being the foundations of your story. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you really uncovered at the wedding and how you, you see your, your past and how you see your parents now?
0: Yeah. So this will be the first time I've ever articulated this out loud. So we'll see how it turns out. But I think, when I used to think about my entrepreneurial journey, it used to, I would say how I started, you know, I i had a, a rock stand when I was like five years old, because all my other friends had lemonade stands. And so I had a, had a rock stand. So like, but even then I think about it, it's like, what five-year-old has a rock stand? That, like that, that doesn't even make sense. Like that had to come from somewhere. But like the five-year-old rock stand was my first understanding of where my entrepreneurship started. And and so Diving deeper into my parents' story makes me realize that my entrepreneurial foundations actually came before I was even born. I know that's like that's the setup to like, oh my god, this is a long ass story. <laughs> you know, it's like it happened before I was even born. But I think my parents' decision to live the life the the way that they chose to live it is really what created the through line that you are mentioning, Jules. And so my parents made a conscious decision that the most important thing in their lives was going to be to spend time with me and my brother, Brett and Brett's uh, you know, a little bit younger than me, but you know, they, they made a conscious decision that they were going to spend time with me. And my mom is a valedictorian, super smart, incredible lady. She was teaching um, Spanish at a really prestigious university. Um, and if she had continued teaching at this university I would have my, myself and my brother. We would have both gone to this. This uh, I think it was a high school, and then it, you know eventually higher education. But it was like a five hundred thousand dollar education that we would have had if my mom would have continued teaching here, and we would have had that for free. But what my parents did is they decided that quality time with family and them actually getting to raise my brother and I was more important than than even that, even that five hundred thousand dollar education that we could have had. That, that spending quality time with me growing up was the most important thing for them. And so you talk about a through line again, like this, this starts from before I was even born as they made that conscious decision that, hey, we are going to raise this person, this human being. And so my earliest memories, like I spoke Spanish before I spoke English, even though I was born in the United States, but my mom she decided because she was a Spanish teacher that I'm going to learn English anyways. Why not start teaching me Spanish when I was, you know, from a kid. So I used to know more Spanish words than English words when I was very little. So like they had a very non-traditional approach. My mom spent so much time with me. My dad, you know, ended up, he was a restaurant owner. He even ended up reducing time at the restaurant so that he could spend time with my brother and I. And so That core understanding of the fact that they always prioritize family, they always prioritize the most important, the most fulfilling components of what life life is you know, I I just realized at the wedding, it's like, holy shit, they created seven figure millennials. It wasn't me. It was like literally the decision before I was even born, the ethos of what I ended up creating. And this goes back to the quote that I mentioned all the time until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. If this isn't a manifestation of my unconscious speaking, I don't even know what is. And so this past weekend has not only been an understanding of that, but I've also spent some time with my dad one-on-one and really understood the core things that my dad taught me from an early age, like and we can dive into those some of those things, but I I would not be the person I am today if it weren't for the unconscious programming that my parents had stemming from that decision to just spend time with my brother and I.
1: I completely agree with you. Like one, your mom, when she told me the story, she told me she just knew she could do a better job, that she knew she could raise you. She wanted to have that. And I mean to actively be at the top of your field, to actively have a career, that's a big, big, big choice to make and i truly a sacrifice to decide that this is where you need to be. And it was absolutely the right one. Cause they also told a really cute little story about you and, you know, and you you know, her having to put you into daycare because she was going to help your dad. And that wasn't the right road for you. You didn't, you rebelled actually. And you know, your two or three year old self did not think that that was where you needed to be either. And your mom was happy about that, and you know you got <laughs> to have your mom. And they made their life work to really be able to be full-time parents for you. And as a parent, I don't think there's anything more honorable that you can do than really give your children the, your, the, your time and your presence, because that is such a game changer. Because I mean, you're relatively still very young. You're a millennial, but look where you're at, and look at what you're what matters to you that was modeled in real time your entire life by your parents and the choices that they make. And let's be honest, things are easier now in some form or fashion. We have technology. We have so many things at our disposal. We can get a coach. We can go to Google. We can go to YouTube University. We can go on an incredible podcast and get access to all these cool people that you bring into our world. But like when they were raising you, that wasn't the norm. And so they had to make it work, however, they could make it work. And seeing that, that I respect so much because it's not just like how it we would see today. It was harder. So there was definitely some sacrifices that I could see that your parents had to make for you to even be you.
0: Yeah. And that was, uh, that was something I caught. So I might not even, I have to, might have to clarify with my mom on, on this, but when my mom met my dad, one of the things that she thought stood out so much about him is that he had a whole bunch of cassette tapes and he was listening to self improvement stuff on these cassette tapes or CDs i don't I don't remember what it was, but yeah, it just goes back to it was a completely different time when my dad was starting in the business, and so I saw my dad constantly learning when i was growing up and that's why i realized this weekend that lots of my creative tendencies my my wife has this funny thing that she says when she, when i'm not around and she has to solve a problem she always asks herself what would brandon do <laughs> because like because i usually have a, some crazy out of the box solution with you know if it's something physical I'll, I'll i'll use an object in a way that normally it wouldn't be used to fix something you know temporarily or whatever that is so the what would Brandon do actually came from my dad because my dad was always coming up with creative solutions for everything in his restaurant and 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 I modeled that behavior like they always say what something is more caught than taught right and so I learned foundational principles of entrepreneurship efficiency effectiveness from my dad from my mom as well. But like, even this, I brought up this story when I was talking to my dad yesterday and he's like, I don't even remember saying that to you, but I watched it happen. And so my, my dad, you know, grew up in a restaurant from age nine, he worked in my grandpa's restaurant. And, and so he was literally like, uh, uh, like cooking in the restaurant. He's 10 years old. He used to have, if you can imagine Chinese restaurant, he had to grab the like little stirring, Things that you use for the walks, he wasn't tall enough to grab it. So he had to use the he had to use the walks to like grab things that were higher. Like so that's how old my dad was when he got started in the restaurant business and being an entrepreneur and seeing how things worked at an early age. And so my dad, you know, always he's, he's wicked. You should see him chop. Like it's just ridiculous how fast he can chop. You can do ninja stuff. Um, you know, the fruit ninja, whatever that game was, has got nothing on my dad. Cause he can, he can, he can dice some stuff up. It's awesome. But all, all that to say is that I saw this quick story. One time my dad taught me, he was filling up a bucket from in the sink. And he told me that, um, he, instead of turning it all the way up, like the faucet all the way up, he set it to like a slower drip and he set that up to a slower drip. And then he said, uh, and then he went and did something else. While, while that was happening. And the, I don't know why that stood out to me, but it, it made so much sense is because if he had turned it all the way up, he would have had to sit and monitor it, right? And so that it didn't overflow. Or if he had turned it all the way up and, and go, started something some other project, it would have overflowed as well. But instead, he taught me that you had to start a slower drip and you could go and do something else. And when you return, the bucket would be full, but not overflowing. And so that was like, I saw that behavior and, and, and I realized like part of like the unconscious programming is I saw my dad doing that, always starting things at the right time. Timing is everything. And so I look at even this podcast. and it's like the the approach that I'm taking with all of the guests is a long-term approach. It's not turning on a faucet. It's turning on a drip. It's just, Starting these relationships, because I know that, as I continue to create content and develop these relationships over time, it's going to turn into something great, and that's that's exactly what my dad modeled is things like that is like seeing those efficiencies and the way that he was able to always come up with things that were so much fun for us like and i can I can go I'll say one more story, and then I'll let you kind of continue prod me in the right direction, duels, but my dad always came up he taught me how to be creative, happy, and fulfilled from a very early age is because he was always making toys for us. He always came up with cool toys. So like, uh, I don't know if anybody can ever imagine this, but like when you are at a restaurant and you change the Coca-Cola syrup thing or the Sprite (laughs) syrup thing, it comes in a gigantic plastic bag that then gets attached to the the soda dispenser and it gets added. So my, my instead of throwing those away, we emptied those out and my dad blew them up and we drew faces on them. And as little kids, it was the, the best thing in the world to like punch these things all over the place and they, they became toys for my brother and I. And I have such fond memories of that. But I, I see my entrepreneurial tendencies of like, hey, this is a to the world, this is a, a Coke bag. And that's all it is. But to my dad, it was not a Coke bag; it was a toy, and it was it was a sense of entertainment for for my brother and I. And it was you know one of the best memories I have is playing with all the toys that my dad made. So like, how is that not teaching creativity and entrepreneurship? How is that not looking at things from a completely different perspective than the lens that most people give you? So all of those, I mean, those comes from my dad. I can even start with my mom, but I'll pause for a second and just say that it's been fun to explore all these different things and stories and lessons that my parents have taught me because it's really unconsciously shaped who I've been who I've become.
1: And it's so beautiful that you can see it while they're here. Because It's it's something that I think as we get older, we see that, but to have your awareness line right now, when you can actually go have lunch with your dad, you're lucky. And and, and very fortunate to be able to see what you can see and how all of these pieces play together because they do and connecting dots and thinking outside the box and always driven for something new. It, it, That is absolutely the essence of an entrepreneur and what we're always striving to do. And the whole idea of the fact that you didn't have a lemonade stand and you had a rock stand that teaches you, like they told, they taught you how to position, they taught you how to be different. So that and that different was welcome and that it was okay. Cause a lot of times through school, kids are made into a templates. They don't have that autonomy. And if they don't have that support at home, where are they going to get it? So what they're showing you, I mean, it, Totally opened you up, and it made it so that you had all of these so these incredible things that happened for you, you know, as you age, as you got older, and you know, I was fortunate enough to sit at a table of your past mentors, and be able to sit with these people and to hear stories about you. And just I hear how all of this plays into it, but these are people that your parents brought into your life. These were people of high respect that really respected your parents and who they were and how they showed up. So it's like, not only did your parents do a great job of giving you a childhood, you know, full of like wonder and merriment, but they also did a great job of actually introducing you and putting you in situations and scenarios where you got to be around people that had perspective that deepened your yours as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have... I mean, this this could turn into a whole episode on, on parenting and all the things that I, I appreciate about my parents and what they did. It's because I, I think about this when I have a family and how how I'm going to integrate what they taught me. But like, you know, a little bit from my mom, because uh, I didn't talk that much about some of the things my mom did besides Spanish. But I remember if you, you, any any kid, anybody listening to this will remember this, but like Valentine's Day in elementary school, every kid gets that little box in the front of their desk, and you get to drop a little, t- you know, uh, you know, piece of candy or a pencil or whatever the heck that is, and and um, my mom, my my dad actually said my 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 dad said my mom was crazy for doing this, and he was like, it's a waste of time, don't do this, but it obviously stuck out because my mom for every single kid in my class made a, a balloon teddy bear. Like, like you had to blow up this thing and and craft a balloon teddy bear. And I was the coolest fucking kid in that kindergarten class. You better believe it. Cause I had the balloon teddy bear. And so like, I just thought it was, I just thought it was the way it was supposed to be like, I, yeah, I, why wouldn't I be the best at that? You know, why wouldn't I do that? And so, um, you know, that was the side that I got from my mom is that you, you always being the best is just like what you're supposed to do. Like, I always had the coolest halloween costumes like uh, every single year every other kid got the home like the, the the store bought or whatever my mom we made those costumes and we won the Halloween costume contest and my mom would stay up late and, and 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 help help me with the crafting of you know the homework or the essays or whatever it was and that's turned into my speaking and the way that I write and the copy that I create and so i I, I want this to be, Applicable for for any anybody, and I, I just want to say that you know maybe if you're a parent, you can start thinking about how you can show not tell and model for your kids. Um, but even if you're not a parent and you're just, if you can leverage all of these stories that I'm telling and probably will continue to say on this episode, if you can leverage this as an opportunity to explore your earliest understanding of the world, that is so. So important, and Jules talked about you know, in opening is like, what is the through line? What and, and and so, what was your first experience in school? And maybe it's ugly, maybe maybe it's not something that's pretty, and that's okay. But like, the thing that I've realized a lot over this past year, and even before starting, and this is lots of what Jules has introduced into my world, is that like. The stories that you tell yourself are so damn important. And like all those ugly stories that you don't want to touch, if you have a negative narrative around them, it's not serving you. And so you need to reframe that story as to what it means. So like in my childhood, there was so many components that were incredible, but there were other things that I had to reframe. And there, I don't think there's such, I don't, I don't think it exists to have a childhood where you don't have to reframe some stuff. It doesn't matter where the hell you came from. You can have all the money in the world, no, no money in the world, you know, perfect parents, not perfect parents. You have stuff that you'd like, and you have stuff that you don't like. It's just how the world works. And so, you know, as you're listening to this, hopefully you can, it's, it's, it's a encouragement for you to look at the things that you need to reframe that are negative and look at the positive aspects that have been created inside of you and highlight more of them.
1: Yes. Bingo. That's absolutely it. And I, that segues us really, you know, clearly to even like how you saw your, your story before to how you see it now. Like there is so much more depth and you shine more light. And so thus you sell more. And one of the things that, you know, kind of puts us all together is essentially your parents taught you how to win. And when you have the opportunity to start winning, your confidence goes up, your perspective goes up and, you know, it's really important. And it's also something that you want more of, right? Like you, the attention that you had and the feedback that you got from being the guy that had all the, you know, balloon teddy bears to a kindergartner. I mean. You were like a hero, a rock star, <laughs> everything to them. You were famous for a day. And that is absolutely a feeling that entrepreneurs like drive for. They love to have that, el- that element. They want to be that superhero. They want to be, or like, let's really, they want to be the man, right? Like, they <laughs> want to be that person in people's life. And so from a very, very early age, you got to taste that. Mm-hmm. And the Japanese word for us, it, uh, this is Satori a brief glimpse of enlightenment. And so you got from a very early age, the awareness line of what it feels like to be that guy, to be able to win, to be able to be the person that goes above and beyond, to be able to do things that no one else is willing to do. All all the spirit of an entrepreneur. And the way you've utilized that has been brilliant. Like that's one of the things I want to talk about next is actually, let's let's ask the question that everybody wonders. How the heck do you get such great Guess on I mean you have had some amazing people that are ha, are on your show your show is newer but you're doing
0: something that I don't see anybody doing
1: so you're gonna have to let us in on it how do you do this
0: okay so since I'm on the theme of my parents but let me let me just let me just continue on this theme because when I sat down with my lunch with, with, with my lunch <laughs> when I sat down and had lunch with my dad the other day, he had said and his frame was that whenever and my parents are very proud of me and I'm very grateful for that. My dad talks about me all the time. And whenever he said that the photographer at the wedding came up to my dad and said, you know, you you raise a great son. And, you know, I'm deeply grateful for that. But my dad apparently, and this is something I didn't realize, he had been saying the whole time that it was it was me the whole time that that like I he just happened to get a good kid and that I was the kid that was able to do all this stuff. But I, I had this conversation with my dad yesterday. I was like, that is so Yes. I mean, I, there was some component where I had to do some stuff, but there was so much unconscious programming that I had was absolutely correct that drove everything. And so let me answer the question of how I've been able to get guests from the frame of what my dad taught me unconsciously from a very, very young age. So there's two things. One, I am a pool player. I don't know I don't know if this has ever come up really on the show, but I've, I've played billiards since I was tall and I wasn't tall enough to see over the table my dad used to give me a little stepping stool if you can imagine like a four-year-old a little those little potty stepping stools so I used to go around the table and bring this stepping stool with me so that I could see above the damn table and, then, and like if you can imagine like a, a pool cue but the two-piece pool cues they unscrewed the bottom so I only had the top half so that was that was my setup growing up playing is like with this little stepping stool and the top half of a pool cue um and so uh And there's, there's more stories as to how my dad even got me to, to enjoy that kind of stuff, but I I won't stick, I won't go that deep. So what I'll say about pool, one of the earliest lessons I remember my dad teaching me is that you never want to play with people that are at your level or below your level, because you need to play with people that are better than you. You need to play with people that are above your level, because how are you going to learn? How are you going to see what you need to grow if you don't play with people that are better than you? And so as a kid, I was like, okay, that's just how the world works. But I realized now that is not how the world works. Most people don't think that way. And normally you have to understand that when you hear it on a podcast, when you're, you know, over 18, whenever you start listening to a podcast, I started listening to podcasts early, but like, you know, you can hear that and have an understanding of it, but it's different to have that programmed inside of you from a very early age. So my dad always taught me to play bigger, to play with other people. And I will say one other thing that leads up into how I was able to get these guests that come on the show. Another thing that my dad taught me, and I think this came from, I just, I just remember like, you know, when you have kids and they're like really afraid to order something at a restaurant, like they're like, you have the parents that step up at at the checkout counter and there's the little kid that wants his chicken nuggets and is afraid to like talk to the person at the counter. My parents always made me talk to the person at the counter, like ask what, for what you want, ask for what you want, tell them what you want. And so I always had to do that. But the other thing that my dad always said is that it's the worst. And I don't know if this comes, this probably comes from a different context, but it's on the same line. The worst thing that they can say is no. Again, another thing that we have all heard that the worst thing they can say is no, but I heard that from age when I could talk, you know, 3 years old. The worst thing they can say is no. So It's different to have that unconsciously programmed to you than have a conscious understanding of that. So those two things together of the worst thing they can do is say no, and to play with people that are bigger than you. I think those are two fundamental things that have allowed me to network my way into Genius Network at age twenty two and connect with people and actually show up in a room. It's it's what allowed me to get these guests on the show and then have them comfortable to refer me to other people on the show. And at the time this is airing, this won't have but wouldn't have been the case. Um, But I'll say really quickly, like a ping pong area of events that happen is like, I actually went to, I attended an event that Jules encouraged me to attend. And I met someone on that show. Uh, and his name is Tim Scherr. And he's been interviewed on, the, on this. And I had a conversation with him. And he had a great time on the show. And he asked uh, he, he introduced me to somebody else in the show who actually just that episode recently came out, Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman, who is a decorated air fighter pilot that's flown 65 combat missions, New York times bestselling author. He had a great time on the show and he introduced me to Kevin Harrington, original shark on shark tank, you know, has created 20 products that have done over a hundred million dollars in sales. And like that, that comes from, and that we can type dive, dive into this. And Jules has helped me a lot with this too. And another, the next level beyond it, but like, you have to be comfortable with putting yourself out there and giving people great experiences. But like, you also have to be comfortable with who you are as a person. That's something that most people don't talk about when they have these interviews is you can't show up trying to prove that you are someone. Otherwise, you're just another chest puffing, egotistical person that they don't want to talk to you. That's a completely different lens. You have to be comfortable with who you are. Um, and you know, whether or not they refer you to someone or not, that's, you know, it's, it goes with being okay with hearing no. Like I, I asked them if they had anybody else that should come on the show. And some people have said, no, lots of other people have said yes. And that's because that's, the, that's how I've been able to get those things. So to tie it all together to the original question, how did I, how did I get these people on the show comes from fundamentally the unconscious programming that I got from my dad. But at the same time now it's, 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 it's being present and really allowing myself to show up and adding value to these people that allows, that, that empowers them to give me more referrals and connections to other high power, high profile people.
1: It's pretty incredible. It just looks like a snowball going downhill. Like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just amazing to see who's showing up and the feedback and the experience that they have. It's, it's unlike any I've ever seen the way that like, well, I love all of the behind the scenes that you do to make the, the most amazing experience. Because I think experience here is really where you're just winning. And the one thing that you're how you're different than most of these other people that do podcasts is you're not just a podcaster. You're also an incredible direct response marketer. You're also someone that has managed hundreds of thousands of people online on email lists. You have the experience. Of, of, of so much and here you are as a podcaster putting that all together the question that i want to ask you and this is for anyone that's that's listening that you know that has a, that major dream in their heart they have that purpose they have that drive they know they're meant for more but maybe they're working for someone else right now or maybe they're not playing as big as they could you know even just a year ago almost two you you made a big change in your world you you changed everything. And it's not so much the details of that, but I want to know what a mindset of like, what, what it really took for you to go from one day, this is okay to be behind the scenes and to be doing your work and doing and and crushing at it. And then to the next day to go from the the point where like, I'm going to go and be forward facing instead. Where does that come from?
0: Hmm. It was a good one. Um, Let's see. So the, I'm gonna go with the first thing that comes to my mind is identity. That that I saw a bigger identity for myself that empowered me to create a bigger vision and, and and who I could be. And once I saw that new identity, I couldn't act from the old one anymore. So that I think was the biggest thing. And I think lots of decisions are made from identity. So um, understanding that that if if you're someone that is playing behind the scenes right now or not playing as big of a game and, and I, I'll i just say too, like, like that changes, like you can only have as much visibility, you know, like I had like, you know, Jules right now, myself, like we are, we have the highest amount of visibility that we can have in this very moment, but it took creating a different identity for us to step out of the old one, for us to now have this visibility that we have now, right? And so, um, you know, if you're if you want bigger, if you want to move out from behind the scenes, I would challenge you to think about what problems do you really want to solve, who do you really want to be, and then this comes from an interview that I recently had, and and I'll kind of put my own spin on it, but it's like you have to engineer the person that you want to that 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 becomes that person that that has that achievement, right? You have to look at that huge thing that you want to create and then understand the kind of person that you need to be in order to have that thing. So I think lots of what caused that jump for me was I saw a bigger version of myself that I could create. And the current path that I was on prior to making the jump wasn't in alignment with the future identity that I wanted to create. So that fundamentally once I kind of realized that I, I couldn't perform at the level I was performing at previously in the role that I was at, it was doing a disservice to the role I was at in that company because I just wasn't there anymore. And I think everybody here knows what it's like to not be fully present somewhere. And so I'm not the kind of person that cannot not play all out. And so I can't just sit at a place where I'm not fully invested in, in growing in it. And so that was the biggest thing. So um, for anybody looking to make that jump, I would think about what it is that you really want to create in the world. Then who do you need to become in order to create that and make that a reality?
1: Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes. Alignment is everything. Alignment equals velocity. Alignment equals ease. Alignment equals power. And when you stick with that as being your driving force of how aligned you are to what you're doing, it changes everything. Because with identity, we, if we associate behaviors with it, now we have something. Now we can start moving in the right direction of what we're really looking to do. And all of your behaviors drove you essentially to this episode. Like Everything you've done has got you ready for this moment in time. And so now with seven-figure millennials, what is your? what are you envisioning? How are you seeing that this is going to even get bigger?
0: Yeah. Another great question and something that I haven't fully processed yet. So this is just my current understanding that will probably get bigger and evolve over time. But I think it 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 comes from the understanding that I now have of what my parents did to create seven figure millennials and what it really is and like it's you know you you listen to this right now you already heard my voice probably the first words that I heard when I intro this episode is you know welcome to seven figure millennials where it's my job to help you to prioritize your happiness health and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality and I think that that core is always what needs to be true but really what I want to create is. An army of fulfilled entrepreneurs, because I think that you, 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 like those are the people that are going to shake the world. And so, you know, the and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm on the train of thought. I'm. Leah will always make fun of me. My, my wife will always make fun of me. I'm always thinking about the mode of the person that I recently studied a lot. <laughs> uh, but this past week, I interviewed Shannon Graham, and Shannon talks about how the primary job of a leader is to create more leaders. Um, and I think that that's an incredible insight to have, is because I think that what needs to happen with seven figure millennials is this needs to become a factory for fulfilled entrepreneurial leaders. And that's really what's going to create the change in this world that we need is because we can't serve from a place of depletion. We have to serve from a place of completion. And so I'll combine that with another insight that I got from another guest. And this goes back to the other, this is my brain just connecting everything. Cause you talked about what I learned. This is my brain in action of how it all connects. Jason Campbell, uh, who's a mutual friend of ours. And a- another person that Jules was like, you have to have Jason on the show and a dear friend from when I was in genius network. But uh, Jason talked about how, when you normally ask an entrepreneur, what amount of money they want to make, it's usually double the amount they're currently making. <laughs> and that's a very unhealthy way of you know creating something. And so going back to what uh, you know, and, and I'll just finish what he said too, is like, you need to figure out what your enough line is. Like, what is enough? Like what when can you just not need to worry about it? And then anything above that, what can you really create? And I'll, I'll add a third layer and hopefully I can keep track of this. But, uh, you know, Waldo, this, this uh, air fighter pilot that I was talking about, when you really want to be happy and fulfilled, it comes in the service of others, right? Mm-hmm. That's what most most of the happiness is in and of itself. So let me smush all the, the, all these things together. It's like, if we need to serve other people. And we need to determine what our enough line is. And we have to determine how to be fulfilled. And like, once we have an army of entrepreneurs that are fulfilled, they're enough and they're signed up for the fact that we need to work together to create the world, to change the world. That's, that's what I want to create. And so seven figure millennials, that's, that's really what this is going to be, is it's going to be an incubator. And there's the the toughest part about this is that there's no... There's no one's ever going to tell you when you're fulfilled. I can't tell you when you're going to be fulfilled. No one's ever going to be able to do that for you. So there's no metric to cross for fulfillment. That is something that you listening to this right now, you have to understand what that means. And you can go ahead and listen to all the case studies of people that make seven figures in a year, blah, blah, blah. It's so freaking cool. And I've met lots of those people. And I mean what fulfillment does it bring to 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 sell a widget on amazon and make seven figures like who who cares i'm sorry <laughs> uh, and like so and so that's that's really what is so important is that this new way of entrepreneurship is it's all about this fulfillment component that no one else can answer for you but like again the quote by jim rohn become a millionaire not for the million dollars but for what it will make of you to achieve it so how can we have that as our through line is the next level of what fulfillment means for you, how you can have enough, and then how we can shift and work together to create impact in the world together.
1: Beautifully stated and absolutely the mission because that's what's really needed. There's actually a study out there that, that proved that about after $70,000, there's no more actual happiness that happens. Like you, you have pretty much all your needs met and you can have a little autonomy to your life there's no more zine for you. So if people are striving, and a lot of toxic entrepreneurship says, you know, hustle and grind till you die. It does not say, how do we make a real life? It's just basically just burn to the ground and just see how fast you can scale. But that's not at all sustainable. And so if, if you're striving for, you know, seven figures or even at seven figures, and you're not seeing like a, you know, happiness with that, it's because it couldn't ever come from that. It came from everything else that you surround yourself with during your journey. And so it's even noticing that there's a massive gap between what we assume and what everyone you see has as their definition of success is actually quite like limited. And there's a big old gap between fulfillment and actually hitting the marker. So you're coming in here and you're actually helping to teach a different way, a different speed, a different ease for entrepreneurs to be able to not only activate their highest level of income, but also activate the highest level of impact and meaning in their own personal life. And truly, that is what we all see. We want to know that our life mattered and that we have meaning. So putting all that together, especially for millennials, because millennials, they have so much more access. They have everything that they could possibly need right in front of them. But we have to have the right awareness line of like why even it matters and what are we doing this for and you know some people look at kpis and think of that as a north star but when we're very principle driven just like how you are just like how your parents trained you it changes what we see and it it allows us actually go faster because we can go into the unknown with the principles being our life and we can know how to make the right answer because your principles will never guide you wrong but if we just look at KPIs and we just look at what, like, well, if we just got to do that, we can sacrifice our principles for that North star. So we always have to make sure we have the right priorities in front of us so that we can even have the, make sure we're in the right forest. And I think that discernment line that you have and that awareness and that all these guests are bringing on and all this, you know, that you're all these conversations and your time was able to share these great stories of like, what it looks like at Seven Figures and Beyond, this is the road. This is the how you create a, a roadmap for yourself and how you create a roadmap for others. The one thing that you know, I know that a lot of people don't know about you is like how much you like to track and how much you actually like to write and how much you really express yourself, not just through the, the, your vocal cords, but also through the written word. And I just want to touch on that for a minute, because your journaling practice is, I feel, one of the most effective things I've seen. And you journal and you have your time in space. And all of a sudden, all these new insights come from that. So can you tell us a little bit about your journaling and how you're actually tracking your progress and your impact?
0: Absolutely. Uh, before I answer that, you, I'm just going to I'm going to make a hypothesis right now that I that I just was called to share. So, like you shared that seventy thousand dollars study that the, and the, the idea behind that, from my understanding of that study, is that the amount of money that you make from zero to seventy thousand dollars, the associated happiness that you have from that jump compared to let's say seventy to one hundred forty is significantly less. And I I learned I'll learn this concept. It's funny because I saw that on Facebook that this high school teacher is retiring, but he taught my AP Psych teacher uh, taught us about diminishing marginal utility by using bubble gum and so the idea behind this is that like he gave everybody a piece of bubble gum and like you chewed it and you enjoyed it and then he kept giving us bubble gum and at the end of the day like we had our mouths just full of like bubble and it's just like your jaw's hurting it doesn't taste any good so like the value that you got from that first piece of bubble gum was significantly greater than the 30th piece of bubble gum that you inserted in your mouth that you absolutely hated so um where is this all going? Is because my hypothesis is that, yes, you can create happiness at a certain level when you hit that 70K mark or whatever it is for you, but I don't believe that that holds true for the impact that you can create for others. I don't think that the, it, there's as much of diminishing marginal utility for the impact that you can create on the world when you focus on service. So um, this is just a new awareness that I have that, and, and th- that I'm excited for, but I think that that's really when most people look internally and try to find happiness and they say that usually you can't find it externally, I think that there's an asterisk on that because it's like, if you do focus on the service of others, I mean, that's really what brings fulfillment at the end of the day. So I want to just add that before I jump into the journaling practice, which is a phenomenal question, Jules. So I'll, I'll frame this by saying that part of it has been developed because of working with you Jules as well, and the way that you encourage me to think. Um, so I have, Revamped my journaling practice bajillions of times since I started journaling, and I have like notes from like you know high school of me doing my earliest forms of journaling and before that. But the way that it's arrived right now comes from a suggestion that you provided is that I needed to work in in quicker learning cycles, and I think this is so important in entrepreneurship, especially when you're when you're building something new that you cannot see that far. And like you, you, like so many people say, go set a three year vision or set a one-year vision. And hell, I set a quarterly goal and I'm like, shit, I'm, I've learned so many new things. I can't like, this doesn't even make sense anymore. And so, so I think that the level of goal that you can create depends on the stability of the project that you're currently working on. Right. So like that, that is one thing that is, that has made up my journaling practices. There's two main components is I have, I work in two week sprints, because you can see at the end of two weeks, you know what two weeks looks like. You're going to get there whether or not. And so it's very real. It's very tangible. A month is even a little bit far out for me. But like, so the way that I operate right now is, is in two-week sprints, I set a goal for like the three main things that I need to have to see inside of these next three weeks. Um, and then every single day, I, I journal on what happened throughout the day. And I also add things that you know are just life things. Like Leah and I went out to dinner at this place and we enjoyed, you know, whatever we ate. And, you know, so like, it's important to know those things. And that's another thing I've learned from so many of the entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurs that have appeared on the show is that you get so much unhappiness if you don't realize the progress that you've made. Right. So you like anybody listening to this, I would highly encourage you, you need to have some form of practice that just allows you to reflect on the value that you've created or what you've learned over the past month. And that's another thing that they do fantastic inside of TFL the, the the group that Jules and Kevin Thompson have created and you can listen to both Jules and Kevin's episode on the show but like every single month they they started out by like what are the wins like what have what has showed up in your world what have you learned in these past 30 days and that stupid question and I don't want to say stupid that that small little question alone can change so much for you if you simply realize the growth that has happened so um so what happens is I have this two week sprints. I plan out what I need to happen I track what happens every single day um and then at the end of a month I write like a cover letter of like what happened throughout the entire month and I usually it's it, that that comes in two formats one is like at the top page is a bunch of bullet points of like key lessons that I learned uh you know business wins personal wins you know, like fun events that happened, like just small things like that. So I remember what it is in just a bullet point fashion. And then the next page after that is like a free form. What happened this month? You're like, what, you know, how did I feel? What was going on? And it's so cool to see this now. Cause it's like, I, I this formal, I haven't had this level of formalization until I think last year is when I really started it. But I can, I can now go back and we're recording this on June 15th in 2021, I can go back to June, 2020, and I can see exactly what I was thinking, what was going on in my life, the progress and the growth. And, and you forget how much you move unless you keep track of it. Like, honest to God, like you think you're not moving right now. It's because you haven't tracked and looked at it appropriately. So like, it's like, I just see a completely different human whenever I look back at it. So, um, and the, the last thing I will say on the journaling topic is at the end of every year. Um, and this will, is what I've been doing is I look at all those covered letters and I just get a quick synopsis of what happened in the year. And then I write kind of like a bullet pointed list. Like I can I can go back and I can read 2020 and I can see in one sentence what happened every single month, chronicling the lessons that I had from leaving the last company I was working at from, I can probably find the day where Jules came up with the idea and the name for seven figure millennials. Like I can find all those things and it's just so cool to see the evolution of thought and like how much visibility I had then that I thought was the coolest thing, but it's like, oh shit, you should see where you're at in a few months. Cause like, you'll see so much more from there. But like, I think anybody listening to this needs to have some form, whether you adapt what I've, what I've created or not to learn from what you have going on in your life. Like, and, and if you're not learning from what's going on and formalizing that practice, I think you're missing out on a lot of happiness, first of all, because you're not seeing your growth. And also uh, you're missing out on a lot of introspection on, on what it could mean for you moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's astounding because I've actually got to see those notes and I get to see what that looks like. And it's amazing how when you think how the perspective you have right here is going to be different when you turn the corner. So if no matter how the, the corner turns, you're not going to have this perspective. And so to be able to capture that and that essence is so powerful and it's something that really helps. Like you mentioned TFL. So at TFL, the, one of the first questions we ask is where you've been in the last 30 days for a specific reason, because when you don't look back, it's just like if you were on a boat in the ocean, the only way you can see where you are is when you look back. The horizon line never gets any closer. And that's what it feels like in entrepreneurship. No matter how many times you crush and you just keep crushing, you're you're just one of the people that can do it. There's always more you can do. There's always something else that's waiting. And a lot of times what I have found is the entrepreneurs that are at the highest levels They just just keep checking boxes, but they don't always spend the time and the space to really feel the win. And when you start feeling your wins, that's where I was just talking about a little bit ago about building your confidence, about building your perspective, because we learn so much from our failures. And we will analyze that. and We will beat ourselves to the ground on anything we fail. And so it is a great learning experience. But to also to look at our wins with that same vigor, (laughs) to say, what did we do right? What really worked here? And to acknowledge that. I mean, that's a key element that really changes everything. And when you think something, you think it on one side of your brain. And when you write it or when you express it with words, you are thinking on the other side of the brain. So it also is just a synergy of the brain ability to think on what you just wanted. So you just added more brain power, just like Brandon was saying to what you're doing so there's so much here with what brandon's doing that i believe is truly part of his success recipe this writing this journaling this this tracking right whatever we track we can improve so there's so many elements to a very simple practice of writing which is something anybody can do at any time it doesn't matter how much you know your your income level's at or what's going on it's absolutely a choice but it is truly also a discipline. So thank you Brandon for for going in on that for us because I think that was important.
0: Yeah, and let me just add to I just want to add to not not everybody is going to be able to have access to Jules but I just have to highlight the the importance Jules that you have played on that journaling practice and and my understanding and for those that are listening that first of all if you haven't listened to the episode with Jules that she was the she there's a reason why she was the first person I had on the show. She was the very first guest on the show. So there's a reason for that. So if you haven't listened to that episode, listen to it but the the journaling practice in combination with having somebody that, that you trust, that, that loves you, that will call you out on the ugly stuff is so important. And so having Jules as someone that I, I mean, we talk twice a week. And so Jules and I spend a lot of time together. So if you pick that up on this call, why we're so comfortable, it's because we spend a lot of freaking time together. But like having someone like Jules, having a mentor that 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 helps you see things from not your lens is so important because... Jules has added that extra level of perspective is like, hey, this is my understanding of how things have played out. And even this wedding, the wedding this past week was a perfect example of that. Like having somebody else that can see things that you can't and call them out to you is just so important. And I think that my understanding of that has increased dramatically. And and especially the way that Jules approaches it is like, she can see layers beneath. And so I would challenge you to look for somebody that can see layers beneath the behaviors, right? Because if you look at how this is, I'm just going to keep going on this riff here. Jules has taught me a lot about when you look at someone, both yourself and other people look at their behaviors, not what they say. Like the behavior is so much more indicative of who they are as a person. They can say one thing and do another thing, but it goes also with you. What language are you using? What behaviors are you currently taking? And you can't see those behaviors. You can't see the language that you're using until you have someone that spits it back out at you and says, Hey, Maybe this isn't serving you, or the way that you phrased that was not the best way to look at it. So I think it's, it's, that's another thing that I can't not say, Jules, is how much, how much you have contributed to this growth, but also to someone else listening is like, if you don't have that person right now, first of all, go listen to my magic connection method content, go, go listen to how to connect with these kinds of people. Like I have content on that. Go to sevenfiguremillennials.com. There's a whole bunch of other stuff on there. So developing these relationships takes time though. Like like Jules and I didn't start with a, four hours of conversation once a week. It's like, it's, and I, I created a whole course on this and I never talk about, but like, there's so much to it of, of, of developing long-term relationships with people that really can see you and are willing to call you out on the things that are really important. And so, I think that most people when they say go get a mentor, they think it's this person that's just going to spout wisdom and sprinkle it on top of them and make their life better. But I think that the the level of mentorship that Jules has provided me is is allowing me to see lots of that unconscious and th- this podcast episode is an ep- is is a perfect example of that. Like Jules coming to the wedding and seeing all those different things made us say, "Hey, we need to put a timestamp on what Brandon's thinking is right now and what this new level of awareness has created over these past few months." So, would highly encourage anybody to think about adding that component into your life if you don't have it already.
1: I completely agree. I think mentorship is everything. That's why I have a mentor as well. And so it's 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 you always need someone that has a different perspective than you. And also mentorship is so different than coaching. And that's something that you see intermingled, like coaches and mentoring, like coaching program and mentoring program. A mentor is further up the road than you are. They also are introducing you to people in their network that can give you an advantage. So it's not just a, a program that you can buy from someone else. It is a lot more of a 360 approach to really, really wanting to be part of someone's world and how to activate it so that you can help create new awarenesses and new connections where there were not. So there's so many elements to mentorship that are not, it's not coaching. It's really walking beside someone and helping them see where they're at. And with us, one of the things that I always look at is positioning. And this is what Brandon's amazing at. This is how he's able to get so many people on the show. The magic connection method is about positioning things in a way that actually makes sense for the, the person that is reading it for the human, instead of it just being a templated response that they're going to, you know, completely disregard. So I think that's a really important awareness of even just of how we position anything in our lives. And as, you know, a seven figure millennial, you want to think like that. You want to be able to have the awareness that we can change things up. Like a really great example of this for me was actually, you know, your initiative of wanting to have a cell phone free wedding. And like in the first initial, you know, pass that you took at it. And it's like, that's a, a, always a choice. And we don't always think of it because if it's just the first idea we have, we just want to run with it. But when we think and like what I do is I always put myself in the position of the person receiving the message. How would I think? And honestly, like, you know, the part of me that may not be as evolved as the other part of me. You know what I mean? Like, but. Um, if I don't have that natural like awareness and natural like call to it, I want to think about, is this my best approach? Like, and I think that that's a very interesting thing because here, you know, you had an opportunity because you had, you got the best uh, wedding photographers I've seen. The pictures are phenomenal and I'm hoping you'll share a couple on seven figure millennials. Oh, I
0: will. We don't have them yet, but, but I'll, I'll share them all.
1: (laughs) So so that you can, everyone can see them because they're amazing and you know, they didn't want to have cell phones in their pictures, and that's a that's fair, that's absolutely fair. But Brandon, how do you feel like with what you had a, a you had like some copy on the website? You had yeah. some stuff I'm talking like marketers right now, but he had some of a couple of phrases on the website to allude to that. But we shifted that. How how yeah. do you feel that that impacted how people received you?
0: Let me let me frame a few a few things beforehand. Like like so. First of all, just to conclude the mentorship comment, I never asked Jules to be my mentor. I never, and I feel like that's something that people say all the time is they think you need to go to a mentor. You got to go find someone wise and say, will you be my mentor? That's never how it's worked. And so this has evolved whole separate conversation, but just to add and transition into the wedding topic is like, that's one thing that I, that, that Jules has helped me so much. It's like, what can we learn from this? Like this, like this has turned into a valuable lesson. what, What I'm about to talk about here of how to, how I created a cell phone free wedding ceremony. Like but like so you're going to listen to me tell this but you also need to think the layers behind it. Like like Jules took the time out of her day and stopped everything she was doing and helped coach me on how to make a cell phone free wedding. And like and 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 the fact that she cared that much is incredible first of all, but second of all, the lessons that I've already learned as a marketer because of this experience. So how can you learn from these kind of circumstances outside of the entrepreneurial context. So the, the cell phone free wedding, my first initial thing. So Lee and I attended a wedding and we saw people, the the bride heading down the aisle and these people were sticking their arms out all inside of the pictures. And it just, it felt wrong. Like it just, it it looked like a, paparazzi red carpet it just it was not right for the moment and so that was something Lee and I were very clear on from the very beginning for our wedding ceremonies we want a cell phone free zone we want we don't want phones in our pictures and it, it just ruins the whole moment and so my first pass at it my my first pass at the copy for for what I was going to make for this announcement was talking about how um, you know, our goal is to be the first wedding ceremony that has no cell phones in it. And that was the idea as I was going to try to unify everyone under this goal of having no cell phones in, in this zone. And so, um, that was like the initial layout of like what I was going to articulate it. And then Jules looked at it. And the, the thing that Jules pointed out is that whenever, and this, this is so important in copy and headlines and anything, whenever you say no something, the brain ignores the no and they just hear the something afterwards. So if you say no phones, they just hear phones. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, and it also the way that I had had it articulated, I wouldn't use, this is a very strong word. So I, I, but another word isn't coming to mind, but the first word that comes to my mind is like petulant. Like you don't, you don't like like saying, you know, don't do that is like a very like, You don't want to, you know, no one likes hearing, don't do that. But that was kind of the undertone. Even that's not what I was saying in that copy is like, don't have your phones out at our wedding. So Jules looked at that and she said, okay, what is the intended outcome. What is the real intended outcome? Not the fact that there's no phones, the real intended outcome is that everybody is present with us, that that our, their full energy and support is here with us today on this day that we have waited for two years. And so I took that insight and I rewrote the whole thing and Jules, again, took the time and this is why she's so awesome. She's like, we spent a whole two hour call where she helped me re-engineer the announcement before my wedding. Like that's how much this person cares. So, I mean, J- Jules is just incredible, but like we re-engineered this whole thing and I made the announcement all about how important it was for everyone to be present with Leah and I on the special day that we've waited time for. And if you're viewing it through a phone screen, that means you're not fully there. And so um, there, was a, there was a bunch that, that else that went into it that I'm not going to fully explain. But I will say the punchline to that story is there was not a single phone out, not a single phone. And everybody was fully present for a ceremony. And that was so so cool to see and so important. Even though, even though something that we had planned that that I had created, um that, that Jules suggested didn't work out the way it was supposed to logistically, they were supposed to have placed something on their chairs that was supposed to aid in that cause. But that it did they, they something happened where those things didn't get placed, that didn't even work. But even without that component to it, everybody was fully engaged, everybody was fully present. So again, just 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 the, the takeaways there are so huge for everyone. And again, this is what Jules is Jules and I share this ability to like understand and learn from many different contexts. So if you can have this gift, it teaches you so much, but think about how you can create the containers for people. Are you telling people what they shouldn't be doing, or are you rather giving them the leadership of what they should be striving towards and what that really means, right? And so there's so much to that. If you really take the time to unpack that, Um, but the more that you can learn from your daily experiences on, on, you know, everything that's happening, the more it's going to empower you to make more effective decisions as an entrepreneur as well.
1: So true. And it's truly about engaging the heart. You engaged everyone at the ceremony because you told them how much it mattered to them and how much they contributed to it. You created a container for them so that they understood it was just for the small amount of time. And even though the bags didn't get placed, they still did what they needed to do, which was be a, a physical awareness line for people to to know don't do this but for you not to have to be like I'm a parent I'm like it does not I I, I'm and I'm a good marketer today because I have so many kids and you, you have to learn how not to say no like that's literally like one of the things as a parent you need to learn but you can't say yes to everything so you have to redirect and reposition everything that you're doing so you're not just like this person that just doesn't know how to say yes But you're a person that's coming at it differently and positioning what you're really looking to do and allowing people to be part of the thinking process, to be part of the solution and not it be your show, but our show. And it changes how everyone shows up for you. It's one of the key components of leadership. And it's also one of the key components of getting what you want in this life, like Mm -hmm. figure out how do you work with it instead of working always against it and always There's a key element and a very nuanced difference between maturity and immaturity and maturity is willingness is being able to be willing to do it. Immaturity is willfulness doing it because you just know you can. And that's different. And it's like, it's a whole different tone and the essence that you take and you actually have more power of being willing to do it, but allowing what is going to be to be without it just being, I have to do this because I said, I'm going to. So it's a, nuanced difference, but it's so important to see it. And there, I have one more question for you. And here, this is a, this is like a little extra random question, but through this time that I've worked with Brandon, I have asked him to do random things. And most other people would be like, why the hell am I going to do that? You know what I mean? But he has been a good sport and he's done every single thing I've ever asked him to do. And what I would like to ask you is, what do you feel the most random thing I've asked you to do is- and how the that has been the most impactful for you?
0: Hmm. <laughs> okay. The I'll I'll keep it to the Insight for the podcast. I think this is actually the the huge one. There's there's many of them. I call the, I've, I've lovingly began to call them Mr Miyagi moments because like Daniel Son's sitting there washing the cars, like what the hell am I doing this? But he's learning a lesson. So whenever Jules tells me to do something that I just don't understand, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm to figure out later why. So um, the first few podcast episodes that I recorded, um, I had a, a a background for my like com- camera screen or whatever that was like well the, the 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 v1 version of it i think was just a white wall um and then and then jewels basically was like you you don't look like a podcaster and so um it just it seemed like such a small thing so it doesn't it, it this doesn't there's been other random things so this kind of makes sense but like I just, I just thought about it. and I was like, I mean, I guess I don't look like a podcaster, but really how big of a difference can it make on a podcast? Like it's audio. Nobody else is listening or seeing all this other stuff. So for a while I was like, okay. And then, so I got a whole different background and it looked okay. I had a bookshelf in the background and some plaques in the side and it looked fine. And then Jules is like, it still doesn't look like, it still doesn't look like you're a podcaster. It doesn't look right. And she's like, you need to be standing. You need to be standing because you're going to have more energy. And I was sitting before. And so again, I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. But I I, just, I was just like, okay, whatever. So like I I went out and I bought Studio Foam. So if you ever watch any of the video clips or if you see on the site, like I'm in a studio now. I have Studio Foam. I show up on a Zoom call with 100 people. You can pick my screen out as like that dude's a podcaster. He's in a studio right now. And so that helped shift my identity beyond... um you know, me just sitting and having kind of a subpar background to, I am actually a podcaster now. So going back to the question you asked earlier about how do you make the jump between from, from being behind the stage to in front of the stage, it it came from an identity shift. And so that was, that was, I think the, really the core of what, what Jules was looking for, was a shift in the identity is that I was a podcaster. I stand, I can use my You don't. You're listening to this. You don't understand. But I talk so expressively. My hands are always moving, (laughs) and so like I'm. I'm always. If I bump the mic, you probably heard that. It's probably because I'm flinging my arms all over the place. (laughs) Um, But like that. That's part of it too. So I got a standing desk. I got a different background, and um, that's been huge because the guests treat you differently. Like they really do because like they see that I have professional lighting. I have a light in the back right now that kind of illuminates the back color. I'm in, a, I'm, I'm in a padded studio, so it, it shows that I care about the sound quality if I'm padding my studio. So there's lots of unconscious things that have gone into this, but it all started with me not fully understanding why Jules wanted me to stand or why my background wasn't good enough for a podcast, but it translated into an identity shift and also an increased perception on the way that people view me. There's so much like if you haven't watched the movie, go catch me if you can. Um, like go watch that movie like the dude can and and if you haven't watched this it's uh Leonardo DiCaprio I'm not really good with movies but it's it's all about how he basically impersonated a whole bunch of different things and flew thousands of miles for free or impersonating an airline pilot and the it, it, I think I've read I think there's a book I could be wrong but like if you if you study Frank Abagnale who the whole thing is about like the dude could get away with anything by just showing up in a different outfit like the dude like could stand out in front of a bank in a in a security outfit and they were they were they would give him fistfuls of cash because he looked like a security guard. Right. And so uh, there's so much to that in the perception of me just simply changing my background and standing up is because now people treat me differently. And it's like, it's because I show up in a way that they expect a podcaster that takes things seriously to show up. So if I had to pick one, that would probably be it. Um, there's other stuff that Jules is getting me into, like working on uh, my voice exemplifying my voice more. There's a, there's a voice coach that I'm studying a little bit. There's been other random things like, like yeah. So, so that, but, but I would say that's probably my favorite and most profound one that, that was kind of, I didn't fully understand, but now I understand the wisdom of it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. We always have to immerse in what we want to become and our identity. We invest in it. And when we can, the when the brain can clearly understand what it's looking at, it, it, it's already wants more. It already gets it. It's like, don't leave the question in the person's brain, who are you? Make it very easy for people. What we call them is a handle in the brain. You create a handle. that This is what this person looks like. And this is why, like when he says that, you know, out of a hundred Zoom screens, you're going to know it's brand. You're going to know it. And that just makes it one easier thing to be that entrepreneur that has a rock stand versus a lemonade stand. It's being able to be so different because we are doing everything we can to invest in ourselves. And when we invest in ourselves, you never lose. Mm-hmm.
0: I have another fun thing to add. I know you said this is the last question, but now I'm just having fun. So we, we should, we, we, Jules and I have experimented with a format and it's on me to add something else. Um, you know, we were going to do like a banter thing because Jules and I have so many great insights as we just have these calls. Uh, so we'll probably restart that in the future. So, but this is just a fun one. You asked me a fun random question. Um Jules, would you mind telling everybody what you gave me for my my wedding gift and and the thought process behind that? Oh yes. Yeah. Well, first I took it as a big challenge because <laughs> I want to make sure
1: that if can I'm baking a lesson here at the same time? Can I make it more fun? You know, I'm always seeing like how do I actually make this make more sense and how can I make this more memorable for the person on the other side? And that delights me. And so it was a challenge. I'm like, what is the right thing to get brand new? Like, what do we do here? And so what I did was, I'm like, I, and I had told this to your wife. I was like, I'm going to get you guys something that's an experience. I knew that. I was like, I want to give them the experience. And I want them to be able to have this. And it let it deepen their relationship. Let it make memories. Let it be something that's part of their life. Like, And I'm like, what could that be? And at the same time, can I put something in a wedding you know, package and, or present? That's never been given before. So really looking outside the box and trying to figure out what would that, what might that be? And so what I decided, and actually I was so grateful because my husband actually helped me decide what it was, (laughs) what I decided to do was like to, to give them a TV. And I'm like, so I got them a 50 inch TV, but I wanted to do something else differently. I'm like, okay, now that I know what I'm going to do, what could be fun? And the reason why the TV I wanted was for two parts. One, so they could have date night. And two, be to re- as a reminder that all of the lessons aren't found in just one screen or in one place. Lessons can be found all around you. I'm a mom. I don't have time to just always be in one area learning, even though I love to be. So I have to be aware that there's lessons all around me. And where they can be, they can sometimes be on Netflix. They can sometimes be on watching a movie together. And some of the random things I've asked them to do have been to go watch something.
0: Yeah. If you have that lens on though, that's the most important addition is you need to, you can't passively watch a show. You need to have the lens on ahead of time. So uh, continue.
1: (laughs) I always have on whenever I do anything is I know there's something here for me. I'm that kid that like, they say that there's there's two kids that like are in a room of like, like horse poop. One kid (laughs) is like, oh man, here I am. And the other kid, and that's who I've always felt like I was. My dad told me that story when I was very little, was I'm like, there must be a pony somewhere. There there can't be this much without there being a pony. And so I'm essentially that human all the time. So the TV was already, I was already aware of it, but I'm like, how can I make this actually a really fun experience for them? And how can I like put something here that's never been here before? Because truly that's what innovation is. Putting something in a new place, but that already works. And so I'm like, okay, how can I innovate? How can I be completely different than everybody else here? How can I create my rock stand versus when I know everyone else is going to give them lemonade, you know? And so this is what I did. I decided to put, I got a bag and I put up bags of popcorn in it till it filled up. And that's what I gave him for his wedding was a bag of popcorn. And I gave him a, a, a card. And so I'm like, this will be fun. This will be fun to see what happens. Right. Cause it's like, bags of popcorn who's ever put bags of popcorn in a wedding gift before and so what I did was I just laid it out and I created a card that had explanations and a couple gift cards that created the perfect date night and at the end of it after you see the the cards and they explain what the cards are to do and then you see the last line on the card says all this goes the po- and the popcorn goes with a 50 inch TV that'll be delivered tomorrow <laughs> so it's like it was so like and what I love the most with her guests like she'd get it, and then she's like oh! like she would like really like it all played out for her and she was able to get it but everything can have more meaning everything can be an experience and everything can be so much funner so I love sequencing out like when you like give something to someone and the logic behind when they're going to see it and what's going to happen and how they feel about it and it's just naturally how my brain processes things, but it makes such a difference than if I would have just said, here is the receipts and go get your TV, you know, but it, it's something more. And it does the, the popcorn, relatively nothing, no cost and no extra cost. It was just being a little bit more creative, just adding a little bit more insight. And you better believe at the wedding. I totally gave them both a hard time. I says, okay. I really want to be the one that gave you the most off the wall gift out of everyone. So I set the tone even before they got it to know that they would be in for a delight, in for a treat, in for a surprise. And even that in itself made it so that they waited to the end of all their gifts to open mine. But it all built upon, you know, how I engineered, how I get, I sequenced out the entire explanation of the gift. So yeah, it was-
0: there's so so much there. And it's funny, because we, we recorded it. Uh, and it was like, at, at first, I saw the popcorn, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like So like, like, such a pattern interrupt, like, what is this? And then she added, what was a four bags of, of popcorn. So it was like, you had to dig through like four bags of popcorn before you got to the card at the bottom. And if you if you watch the video, like when we got to the last line, that's the 50 inch TV. I like pause and I like didn't know if I read it correctly. And I, if you look at the video, I think I kind of like zoom in a little bit. I'm like, is that, did that say a 50 inch TV? Like that, it was such a, and there's so much there too. Jules and I nerd about this stuff all the time, but the, the brain creates patterns in threes, right? And so like she gave two different gift cards for two different meetings. And so the brain naturally creates a third completion to that pattern. And it's like, oh, here's another gift card, right? But that's when you throw that pattern interrupt for the third thing. And that was the the the, the TV. So there's, <laughs> again, anybody listening to this can probably see, you know, the conversations that you and I have. It's like, what was the lesson behind this? Like, why, why did she sequence it that way? What was the experience that was created? And the other thing I'll say as a a final thing to add on top of this story is how you do anything is how you do everything, Mm -hmm. how you do anything is how you do everything. And so it goes back to the conversation we had before about behavior, like looking at somebody else's behavior. What does that really mean? And so if you've listened to this, you can obviously have a, a glimpse into like how Jules and I work together. But like how Jules does everything is how she does everything. You know, like like the the fact that she took the time and she listened to how to articulate the announcement that we didn't want phones. Like how she spent extra time. She flew out and and we got to hang out and we spent extra time after the wedding. And how she went above and beyond and created this this gift that was so unique. And so that's what's so incredible about Jules. But also the thing that you need to think about too is like, you can't like, like it is you are in such greater alignment. If the way that you operate is just who you are in every component of your being. And I know I, I like, like Jules and I do most of our calls via zoom. She's in Arizona. I'm in Wisconsin. But like, I know that when Jules goes out with her kids she's creating similar experiences for people, whether it's the wait- waiter at the restaurant or, you know, the person at the aquarium is she's she's dropping those things to just make people a little bit happier. And so that's that that that's been a blessing to see that. And also just to encourage everybody that, you know, you always have opportunities to exemplify and create greater experiences for people if you really take the time to do it. So thank you for that. Thank you for the gift again. <laughs> thank you for the incredible experience. And thank you for sharing it on the show because I think that was very very valuable for people.
1: Yeah, it was so fun too. It was meaningful and fun. And I think that there's, we can have so much more joy in our work and we can have so much more pride and so much more delight in everything we do. There is no status quo anymore of like what you need to do. You need to be you. You need to be fully you and you need to be aligned with who you really are. And like you said, how you do little things is how you do big things. We'll start doing the little things that really matter to you. Invest in you. Start noticing. Who you are and noticing these little trends around you because there's little patterns around you all over the place and these little whispers that are that are kind of alluding to your path and just start practice noticing what those are for you and it changes your life but fun it can be so fun to actually be successful it can be so fun because it's, it's so you so always look for how to be more you and I always look at like how can I shift from whatever I'm doing from work to play and really live in that place of like, this isn't work for me. This is play. This is an alignment. This is fun. This is what I want to be doing. It changes the way we see success. And when we change the way we see success, we change the way we see everything.
0: Love that. Awesome. Well, I can't conclude this episode because I'm not the interviewer. So I'll let let you take it where you want to take it. (laughs) Otherwise, my natural tendency is to say thank you to everyone listening. (laughs)
1: Thank you for holding space with us today, everyone. And thank you for listening right now, taking the time to make you important because all these conversations are designed to give you what you need as you move forward in the world and you create more impact. So again, thank you. This was a fantastic conversation. And if you like it, we may do it again.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, this is for sure. I love this format so much. I never get to talk about this kind of stuff and, and we'll do the same for, I, I have a, a talent that I've developed of uncovering Jules does it for me, but I also do it for her. I I understand the unconscious patterns that she, she has as well in the way that she speaks. So we can do a few more longer form versions of this as well. And maybe we can dive into some of the stuff that Jules is doing with TFL and the live events she's creating and the experiences on steroids that she creates for everyone that, that it's like the, the popcorn bag times a million. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, this is not, this is definitely the, the first of many uh, of, of formats like this. So thanks again again, Jules, for you were the only person that could do this interview the way you did it. So I really appreciate you as well. And again, thanks everyone for listening.
1: This was fun. Thank you.
0: Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off. And that is, if you are listening to my voice right now, and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week